Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless possible. And welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You are joined, as always, by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hi, Zara McDonald, and hello, producer Annabelle Lee. Hi. Hi. Coming up on today's show, that Kim and Courtney Kardashian phone call and what we make of the speculation that Travis Barker is at the heart of it all. Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis quietly bury the hatchet. An episode of Dak Shepard's podcast attracted some ugly headlines. We need to talk about the rise of the girl's girl and then... I've got a brand new segment. <laughs> Let's see how it goes. I'm actually so excited for Zara's new segment. Bit of a test and learn <laughs> in the corporate world. Uh, but first, Michelle, how is your week? What are you recommending? I have new hair, everyone. I know. Yes. I am that cliche where I've had like a kind of a shitty couple of weeks. And so my solution was to go to the hairdresser and completely change my hair. And then I had to come back into the office knowing that everyone was going to turn and oh, look at me. And please. I had to check myself out in the mirror beforehand and figure out how to like position my hair on my shoulders so it could look you maximally good. I love how you were like, I had to come back and I knew everyone would notice. You walked in and you're like, good afternoon, everyone. <laughs> I am brunette. I am brunette now. It and looks so, so good. good. I'm we ready to it. change my whole life, my whole personality. <laughs> and as part of changing my whole personality, I have a recommendation that's very unlike me, but I want to recommend two true crime docos on Netflix. Zara, you don't like true crime, so maybe you're not the audience. Nor does Annabelle. I do not like true crime. Okay, well, for everyone listening, you need to watch Who Killed Jill Dando. Does that, does Jill Dando's name... Not, truthfully, not in the slightest. And I don't want to know who killed her. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we actually don't know who killed Jill Dando. Jill Dando is one or was one of the UK's most prominent television personalities. She was killed in broad daylight and it is an ongoing mystery more than 20 years later. So high profile. Incredibly high profile. Oh my goodness. Yeah. She was a very respected journalist, very high profile television personality. Very, very reminiscent of Princess Diana. It's covered in the documentary, but there are rumours that she was actually the one who inspired Princess Di to get that iconic haircut that Princess Di used to have. Well, I'm just looking at this now. The hair is very similar. Yeah. So she was kind of referred to as the Princess Di of British television. It's really interesting to me that we don't know the name of Jill Dando. Like when I was watching this series, she came across as like a massive celebrity over in Britain. So definitely watch that one if you are curious. I also watched the Murdoch murders, which is not Murdoch as in Rupert Murdoch. Murdoch reads as murder murders, which looks weird, but also watch that. That's another good true crime series that I watched this week. Yeah, I heard uh, people used to message us about that when it came out. Was it earlier this year or late last year? So glad you asked. There were three episodes released earlier this year. Yeah. There have just been another three released because there was a court case. So right. Okay, that the makes court sense. court case happened. 
the second season looks at all the revelations in the court case, and I think the second season so far has been even better than the first. I watched five episodes in a row last night. Well wow. done. Yeah. That just has a clap. <laughs> True crime girly. Well yeah. done. I have nothing to do. What about you? What are you recommending? How was your week? So I didn't really consume much this week. I've sort of started three different books and none of them are sort of <laughs> landing that well. So I can't recommend any of them yet. because None I'm, of them are hitting. Well, I want to finish them before I recommend them if I do it all. So I found myself in bed of a TikTok rabbit hole yesterday and I found myself researching on Google a man named Ryan Giggs. Do you know who Ryan Giggs is? No. no. Okay. So he's a UK soccer player. He doesn't play anymore. He's widely regarded as one of the best players to ever play from Man U. And I saw this TikTok about the fact that he had an affair with his brother's wife for eight years. Shut I know. up. So I naturally went to find Rodri Giggs <laughs> on Spotify and I found an interview with Rodri and I listened to it and I thought it was interesting. Rodri. Rodri Not Giggs. Rodney. No, Rodri. Rodri. Okay. Yes. So he's been fucked over twice, once by yeah. his parents, once by his brother. Rodri Giggs. <laughs> and the thing is, look, I won't say that Rodri Giggs is uh, the perfect victim by any stretch. Mm-hmm. We've got a bit of an anti-hero on our hands as well. <laughs> and I just listened to this interview and truthfully I started deep diving the family and the drama behind it all and I was like, this is wild to me. The woman at the centre of it all, so Rodri's ex-wife and the woman that had the affair later went on to Celebrity Big Brother in the UK. Oh, a very nice pipeline. We often see that. So <laughs> it's quite funny because our UK listeners might be listening to this thinking they've just learned about Jill Dando and they've just learned about Ryan Giggs. <laughs> what, what other kind of points in UK history can they learn? But I will put the link to this interview in the show notes if anyone is interested. Oh my God. It's slightly rogue, I will admit. Okay. There might be some funny comments towards the end about Johnny Depp, um, but we'll move past those and just be there for the spectacle. Be there for the gossip. Yeah, exactly Embrace right. Embrace the gossip. I will be embracing that, as we know. That <laughs> sounds too. like the perfect story for me. It was a bit random, I've got to be honest, <laughs> but I quite enjoyed it. Before we get into the quick and dirty Annabelle, you tried to pitch us and are you in need of some intrigue last week and we said, pitch us on the show. Yeah, this was criminal from you. You tried to do it off mic and we both looked at you and we're like, shush. No, shush. well, I just tried to raise it thinking that you guys knew what I was talking about and then you're like, no, save it, save it for the pod. So I actually, I, am saving it. I came in late. The only thing I know is you have an are you in need of some intrigue mm-hmm. about Dua Lipa. Well, I think people at home will know this. I don't think, I've only heard a top line synopsis and I don't, so okay. take it away. I have thought about Wait, how I'm going to sell this. Ask me if I'm in need oh, of some yes. intrigue. Oh, yes. Zara yeah, McDonald, yeah. Michelle Andrews, are you in need of some intrigue? Always. Always. Oh, great. That's excellent. <laughs> well, in the September 2016, season two of The Bachelorette was airing. Do you remember? <laughs> Bachelorette US? Uh, Australia. Uh, Australia. Oh, Blake Garvey. Richie Strawn? The Bachelorette, which was oh, Georgia yeah. Love. <laughs> Georgia Love and Maddie J and uh, Lee, Lee Elliott. Elliot. Elliot. Yes. And Clancy. <laughs> Do you remember Clancy? <laughs> Clancy. In- Redhead? No. <laughs> I you change your hair colour, Michelle, and you can't remember I, anyone else's. <laughs> I think sort of strawberry blonde. Clancy the Bachelorette. He's blonde. He copped a one-on-one date with Georgia, so he was in the competition, I'd say. Yes. In episode five, he had a one-on-one date with Georgia Love. They went on like a New York-inspired date. Do you remember this? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't. On no. this date, they were lucky enough to have an exclusive private little performance by none other than 22-year-old Dua Lipa. Shut <laughs> up. So this was 2016. <laughs> what? It was kind of awkward, and this isn't Dua's fault. <laughs> But those ones are so awkward whenever they have a private performance. Yeah, they're like just sort of like whooping. But how much whooping can you do? Exactly. And like, where does anyone look? Where does Georgia, Clancy, Dua, who do they make eye contact with? So she was the one who had to serenade them with like no audience. Yes. And by this <gasps> point, she had only released a couple of singles. She hadn't released her first album yet. Why is this nowhere on Google? <laughs> I Has know. This been well, I tried to Google it and nothing came up. Or like, <laughs> so hang on, is it true? <laughs> it is. No, nothing. I had to go into like the 10 play Bachelorette backlog oh, you and there's work. a photo of her and there's like the episodes available. Oh, we need to get the clip from the episode. We need to yeah. put that on TikTok. I feel like that's going to go off. Because you were right, we need to say about Imogen Heap's weird gloves last week. <laughs> See, the brain is working. <laughs> Sometimes it's just not completely accurate. This is really, this has really stumped me. I cannot believe that Dua Lipa was on a Georgia Love season of The Bachelorette, which doesn't even feel like that long ago. No, not at all. How quickly did she become like an 
an A-lister. Well, I think this was the year she was touring with Troy Sivan at this point. She was opening <sighs> for Troy. And then the next year, I'm pretty sure she released New Rules. And that no was her way. breakout year. Anyway, this is my Roman Empire. I think <laughs> this a lot. This is amazing. I cannot wait to poll our listeners to work out who actually remembers this. And don't lie. If you don't remember, <laughs> don't say you did. If I'm sorry. If the result is above 3%, we've got some liars. We've got some rats in the mix. <laughs> Are you intrigued, though? I am sufficiently intrigued. Excellent. Thank you for that. I'm, so, I'm perplexed, <laughs> intrigued, surprised. That is a great one. You're well, welcome. Well done. Shall we get into the quick and dirty? Let's do it. Michelle. Oh. Brown hair? Yes. Andrews? <laughs> I'd prefer brunette. Just a little more classy than brown, <laughs> brown hair. Shell <laughs> brown hair, Andrews. <laughs> Sorry. What have you got for me? All right. My first story. What is going on in this vicious Kardashian phone call? That is from Vulture. In case you guys missed it, season four of the Kardashians has begun airing and episode one showed a phone call between Kim and Courtney that has set social media on fire. Yes, and fair enough too because it's quite dramatic. Before we actually play you a snippet of the phone call, we're not going to play you the whole segment because it went for like six or seven minutes, yes. but we'll kind of give you a condensed version. Mish, why don't you give context on why these two have been in each other's necks and sort of what played out in the last season of The Kardashians because this has all been simmering for a little bit. Yeah, well, if I'm an expert on anything, I'm an expert on this. So as Kardashians viewers will already know, season three really saw the feud between Courtney and Kim play out. It all began with Courtney's Dolce & Gabbana wedding. Kim, after that wedding, connected with Dolce & Gabbana and ended up doing a campaign with them in Milan called Ciao Kim. Courtney was very unhappy and considered that to be Kim using her wedding as a business opportunity. Now, rivalry between these two has been running rampant, not just for a couple of seasons. This is dating back to like the very earliest seasons of the Kardashians. And I think longtime fans of the show know that intimately. These two are not friends. They have not gotten along for a very, very long time. It used to be Courtney and Chloe on one side and Kim on the other. And then Chloe and Kim became much, much closer. But Courtney and Kim have never been friends, at least not in the seasons I've watched and I've watched all of them. So we also had that fist fight in 2020. We I can't forgot forget about that. The fist fight in 2020, like this is not the first time that these two have come to blows or gotten really explosive about their dislike for each other. And I will say the dislike for a long time has seemed to be one way. It's Courtney disliking Kim, not necessarily Kim disliking Courtney, which is really interesting. Yeah, and I think the other thing about this is these two had all this tension in season three of the Kardashians. It looked like they'd sort of resolved it by the end of the season. They come back for season four and say, actually, it's not resolved because what happened is when we had to go back and watch the edits of the show, you saw what the other person was saying about you yeah. and it sort of undid the whole thing again, reopened wounds and yeah. they started fighting. They had a phone call in the first episode, oh, in the first 10 minutes of the first episode of season four, which was ostensibly to smooth things over and to get them on the same page. And boy, that did not happen. <laughs> it did not happen. Shall we play the snippet so the listeners can get the tone and feel? Yeah. And guys, we know we said this is a condensed version. We will say this is a bit of a longer snippet than we typically play on the show, but we think you need all of what we've included to actually get across the tone and the vibe of this phone call. The first voice you're about to hear is Kim Kardashian's. You just are a different, you, you hate us. You, you're a different person. We all talk yes, about it. I don't it. need you guys anymore. All I don't of, need to be a part of it. All of your friends call us complaining, whether you think they're the ones going to you, they're all coming to us on the side saying the opposite to us. So we're all confused and we're on a group chat that's actually labeled not Courtney. So we know and have to funnel what your friends are saying to us and have to figure out why you're such a different person and why you have this vendetta I out. Do you want to be a part of that? Like, They're your friends, the ones that you speak not. to on a daily basis. But you take it all out on me, and I'm trying the best that I can to reconcile and figure it out and call you all the time. It's and about you. You are a narcissist. It is all about you. That's what you have time for, to sit and have side chats specifically to talk about me? We're allowed to express to concern. We have side chats about everybody. That's just what you do. Life. I don't have side chats about anyone. Well, your kids have even come to me with problems that they have and how you are. So 
Is that helpful? You're like adding it into a fight to like have a side, like it's you and my friends and my kids and everyone against me. It's like, you're just a witch and I hate you. Okay. All right. (laughs) So hearing it back is a lot. It's obviously quite intense. What are our gut reactions to hearing it? Annabelle, is that your first time hearing it in full? No, I li- I loaded this onto the road. I'm oh, like, yeah, well, yeah. But I actually didn't hear about this before you mentioned it. I didn't yeah. realise this phone call happened. I thought the bringing up of the kids was really harsh. There was a lot of cheap shots in here. Yeah. Like so as many cheap, cheap as it gets, I think. Yeah. The kids thing was pretty cheap. The friendship thing was pretty cheap. I mean, it sort of reminded me, not that I've really been in fights with my siblings since I was about 12 years old, but it reminds me of how low you really want to get. Mm. Like you just want to be as spiteful as you possibly can mm. sometimes when you're angry at a family member. It was a very immature way to have a fight, really. Yes, I mean, they're that's both throwing names. The name calling, like Courtney coming in saying, you're a narcissist. You're a, it, that's why it reminded me of having arguments when I was like yeah. 10 and 12 because I don't think I've argued with my siblings. I mean- Firstly, never argued to that length anyway, but you're a child when that's happening. Yeah, I think the ultimate rule of fighting is that there's no name calling. Really, even as like grown women in their 40s, they still can't get past what I think should be like the ultimate rule of conflict. For the record, Courtney doubled down after this episode aired. She actually started sharing screenshots of a group chat with her close friends on her Instagram story. And those screenshots showed all of her close friends, including Simon Huck, who's quite high profile, denying they were ever part of this not Courtney group chat. In a comment reply to a fan on an Instagram post, Courtney also wrote, the members of that chat are namely Kim, Chloe, Kendall and Kylie. Case closed. Those little k- sounds. It is. Let's talk about the social media reaction as well because it definitely sparked quite a big one. This tweet from Jennifer Gao got 51,000 likes. It read, I don't follow the show, but I will say that Courtney said, I don't need you guys, presumably the family anymore. And Kim spent the next 60 seconds planting seeds of doubt in the rest of her support system by saying Courtney's friends and kids portray her to Kim. Heinous for real love. Mm, Another really popular tweet that got, again, 50,000 likes was from It's Taisha. They wrote, if you actually watch their show and see their dynamic, you're on Kim's side. If you don't watch the show and only see these clips, you're likely on Courtney's side. How interesting. We then had this tweet from Maha Maven that got 40,000 likes, which read, Travis Barker wrote a book detailing his strong attraction to Kim and Courtney can't move past it period. Let's dive into that. Yeah, I think it is worth talking about that because of course we've we've hashed and rehashed the wedding stuff, right? We've hashed and rehashed the fact that there is some truth, I think, in the fact that Courtney does struggle with Kim being the centre of attention mm-hmm. and perhaps Kim could do more about that. But this Travis Barker stuff has a little bit of weight, yeah. in my opinion. It has legs. Well, I don't even know if it's just your opinion. I think the facts actually back up that it probably has legs. You guys might have seen this theory floating around online. To sum it up, it's the theory that Courtney and Kim cannot patch things up, cannot mend their rift because there is like a very potent jealousy at the heart of it all to do with Courtney's husband, Travis Barker. Now, of course, Travis Barker is Blink-182's drummer. He released a book in 2016. That book was called Can I Say? And in it, he detailed having a crush on and dating Kim Kardashian. We obviously do our research here at Shameless. We bought the book. <laughs> so Travis Have enjoyed the 30 that. Bucks. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was 15 actually. Oh, so a go. great discount. We bought the book. We read the passages. And we're going to read them to you guys right now. Yeah, we should start by saying these snippets are in the context of the fact that Travis ended up in Amsterdam in late 2006. So this is ages ago with Lil Chris, his drum tech Daniel, Paris Hilton, and of course Paris's then wardrobe assistant Kim Kardashian. He said they all got high together and had paparazzi following them and he was just generally having a good time. He wrote... I kept secretly checking out Kim, telling Lil Chris, I don't care if she's the closet girl, she's fucking hot. He also said that when he and his then wife Shanna were on a break, he started talking, in inverted commas, to Kim. Mm. He said we had stayed in touch after Amsterdam and she did some modelling for Famous, his clothing company. 
I hired Estevan Oriol to shoot a whole ad campaign of her in bathing suits. Kim's tape had come out and she had broken up with Ray J. She wanted to do a reality show because she thought her family was interesting and obviously she was right. Yes. A little while later, we find out that this wasn't just a crush that Kim and Travis actually dated for a bit. He wrote, Kim and I started hanging out. We went to dinner. We went to lunch. You might think I would be doing the worst things with this girl because of her tapes, as in her sex tapes, but it was the exact opposite of any other encounter I've had with a woman. With Kim, I wanted to be nothing but a gentleman to her. It was so weird. He's not covering himself in, like, glory in these passages. No. We were around each other a lot. She came to my house and went swimming. We watched the 4th of July fireworks together. I'd go visit her and her family at their clothing store. We were really sweet around each other, like little kids, and then when we were apart, she would call me and say, I want to see you again. Me too, I would say. Yes. Now, Travis then writes that he and his ex-wife, Shanna, reunited. (laughs) It's all phrased. Quite curiously, he wrote, Shanna and I started talking to each other again and we reunited one more time. But I really wanted to see Kim. (laughs) Shanna caught wind of what was going on. She poured a drink on Kim at a party thrown by Carmen Electra. I felt terrible. (laughs) But then finally he said this, Kim and I never touched each other. It just wasn't meant to be. Very, very strange. I will say as someone who went through multiple chapters of this book, Travis has a habit of implying that he was going to cheat on his wife and then actually never touched the woman. They just they just chatted and he had a crush. And she happened to throw a drink over the woman in question because she was yes. so mad about it. Yes. For the record as well, this wasn't the only time that Travis ogled after Kim. In 2015, he told Us Weekly, how could you not stare at Kim? Mind you, I enjoyed hanging out with Paris, but I love curvy girls. Kim was eye candy. I was in no way disrespectful to Paris, but I couldn't keep my eyes off Kim. Now, that to me read weirdly because when we found that quote, in my mind I was like, what do you mean you were in no way disrespectful to Paris Hilton? Oh, yeah. Well, it turns out that apparently, oh, well, at least according to Travis Barker's ex-wife, he didn't only cheat on her with Kim Kardashian. He was also sleeping with Paris Hilton when they were married. And Shanna Mokler has said that both affairs were physical affairs, not just like cute dinner dates and like trips to their stores and like text Watching messages. the fireworks. No. Shanna Mokler told Us Weekly back in 2021, I divorced my ex because I saw them. I caught them, as in he and Kim, having an affair. We were working on our marriage and trying to heal through that affair, that infidelity, but he continued to work with her. And then I received all the text messages and the other third parties kind of let me know. It was something I was well aware of. He is dating her sister now, so I think that would be really weird. So I don't think you're just making that up. I know Shannon Mokler has like spoken to the press a lot in the past and has in the past not shied away from... Being controversial. Being controversial, for sure. But given the quotes of Travis's and the quotes from Shanna, I kind of think we can put two or two together. I guess my overriding question is, if this is the cause of some underlying tension between Kim and Courtney, I don't think it's all of it by any stretch, but I think if it is the cause of some underlying tension, why wouldn't they just say this? I think they're going to have to eventually acknowledge Mm -hmm. it, right? I think they will in the next season now. I think maybe the family... They shouldn't have been, but maybe they have been surprised by how many people have connected these dots. But it's not been hard. It's all out there for us. No, I don't. I think it would be really, really hard for Kourtney Kardashian to actually speak about this. Yeah. I cannot imagine. And look, I want to say, I think some people out there might say this whole conversation is anti-feminist. No, I would actually reject that argument. If my sister was a subject of like attraction for my husband. And he had not only said that he had dated her back in the mid noughties, but he was still talking about how she was eye candy in 2015 and 2016. That would kill me. It's not like this is something that died almost 20 years ago. This is something Travis was speaking about in publicity for his book. He was giving those quotes to Us Weekly about, I couldn't keep my eyes off Kim. That wasn't even that long ago. I think the other added factor here is like the allegations that it was also infidelity. Like it wasn't Mm. just them having a relationship, like he cheated on his wife. So says Shanna for Kim. And I agree with you. I think certainly there will be people saying it's it's anti-feminist to even make these connections. I think the anti-feminist thing to do in this scenario is to assume the only cause of tension between Kim and Courtney is this, Mm. rather than this being an ingredient of an overarching 
recipe. Yeah. But I, I love your point about, I think the fact it was probably an affair, and we don't know for sure, but probably an affair. I think you're bang on. It's this idea that Kim was so enticing, was so sexually attractive to Travis that he risked it all. Yeah. His family. He risked his family for her. Beyond anything, I will just always be totally enamored and totally awed by the Kardashians and how they're able to drop these massive storylines mm. at the start of every season. There's no doubt, I know we've had arguments over the past years <laughs> about the timing of their stories and the fact that quote-unquote real-life events in their lives have to be amped up given mm. the timing of this stuff falling. But every time it happens, I'm like, well, it feels very real. Yeah. I think for me, when it comes to this phone call, I don't know if I buy into as much the depth of hatred that other people do. I know that people are like, oh, if you watch them over seasons, there is a lot of tension there. I believe there's tension there. But I think they're not playing this out on the show and I think they're not sort of coming together, you know, in their pieces to camera bits Mm. where they're sort of, you know, narrating the show. I don't think they're doing that if there's actually not at some point some level of respect and love for each other. I don't think it's as high as their other siblings. But I think the only way I can make sense of this is if there is an underlying level of love and respect and an ability for them to laugh at parts of it. I think the Kardashians are so pragmatic that love and respect go out the window when you're looking at what was it, a $100 million deal. I actually think they do hate each other, but that they both benefit enough financially that it actually isn't that much of a big deal. And I don't think these two see each other unless the show is filming. I'm so intrigued as to what our listeners think. We'll poll you again on that one tomorrow. What do you think is the crux of this? Because I think it is, it's just always very convenient about the timing of this. As I said, it's not that I don't believe it. It's just so very, very convenient. (laughs) Coming up after the break, we've got a Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis quietly settling their custody dispute. The Dax Shepherd podcast controversy. We need to talk about Girls Girls. We're also going to talk about the Beckhams. And then I've got my new segment. <laughs> We're going to go. Let's go. Our second story, Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis end custody battle. He'll pay $27,500 a month in child support. That is from Rolling Stone. Well, a pretty quick update here on this one. This sort of dropped last week as we were recording. Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis have officially buried the hatchet, or so we're told. They quietly settled their incredibly public and incredibly messy custody dispute. Feels like forever ago now. Right. Well, it was a year and a half ago that she was served those custody papers on stage at CinemaCon and gave those pretty searing quotes about how it was an attack on Mm. her, that she was a woman in the workplace and didn't deserve it. She said it was vicious. Since then, they have now decided to share joint custody of their kids. They have a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old on a week-on, week-off schedule. As you said in that headline, Mish, Jason Sudeikis has been ordered to pay $27,500 a month in child support. Now, according to the Daily Mail, who reportedly got access to the docs, the amount is based off the fact that Jason Sudeikis' income for 2023 is projected to be $10.5 million, Not bad. Whereas Olivia Wilde's estimated income is expected to be 500000 Olivia Wilde was claiming that she was sort of looking for an order that would adequately provide for their children commensurate to Jason's standard of living. I mean, there is a bit of a gap there between salaries, even though $500,000 is a lot. It's actually not that much in Hollywood. For sure. And they're still out there getting pap shots at like their kids' soccer games, looking happy chappy. And I've got to say, as much, I I think we both fall into this camp, Zara. As much as we know the facts and these two people have like dragged each other through the media, given awful quotes about each other to media publications, a smiling photo goes a long way. Well, the first one they did, I was like, oh, this is so staged. But there's been quite a few now where they're hugging and just watching the soccer. <laughs> and I'm like, are they fine? <laughs> are they best friends? Yeah. I mean, I don't think they ever will be. But I also do wonder if that big story from the nanny did something to unite them, mm. you know, even because they were both dragged down by it. I was picturing Fran Fine from the nanny when you said that. But no, I'm back on page. I remember <laughs> that Mrs. daily Sag mail. After. <laughs> Our third story. Jonathan Van Ness breaks down in tears on Dak Shepard's podcast after tense back and forth. That is from Variety. 
heads up, guys. This one is a tiny bit on the older side. It actually was all breaking and coming out when we recorded last week's episode. So we missed it, but we wanted to include it here. This episode went live in the Armchair Expert feed last week. And it has been making headlines because there was a 20-minute long semi-uncomfortable exchange between Dax and his interviewee, Queer Eyes Jonathan Van Ness. Yeah, now for context, Jonathan is non-binary and according to their Instagram bio, uses he, they and she pronouns. Now, Jonathan Van Ness was about 24 minutes into this interview when things started to go a little bit pear-shaped. It essentially kicked off when Jonathan Van Ness made a comment that right-wing views stem from a lack of education. Yes, To that, Dax, who wanted to make it clear that he was progressive, replied, I reject that they are conservative. They don't like how quickly the country's changing. I understand that I can sympathise with that. They have different fears than we do. It's not because they're dumb or uneducated. They have a difference of opinion. Now, this is the first place that these two disagreed. It's a really interesting listening experience. The first 20 minutes of the episode, they are joking about everything All of a sudden, Jonathan Van Ness says people who are conservative essentially aren't educated. Dax disagrees. And then it's like this very immediate halt to the chemistry that they have. And it's very abundantly clear that they are going to be disagreeing for some time. Yeah. And then to that point, Van Ness came in and said that misinformation and disinformation play a huge role in conservative ideologies. And they said, especially when it comes to gender affirming care and access to abortion. So they're getting into the real weeds of stuff here. Yeah. And it's an interesting listening experience because you can feel yourself go, oh no. It's like that experience at a dinner party where you see two people get into murky terrain and then you just, you almost want to pull back and not listen, but then you can't help but listen in. They disagreed on whether the New York Times is a left-leaning publication. Jonathan Van Ness said they're anti-trans. They platform multiple anti-trans people and said they couldn't be left-leaning. Dax disagreed. They then turned their attention to women's sport and the idea that trans women are allowed to compete in the same competitive leagues. They then also clashed heads over what the media coverage of trans issues has looked like. This conversation, as I said, went on for more than 20 minutes. I will say the media coverage has painted it out to be that they disagreed the entire time. They really didn't. They've had points where they definitely disagreed with each other, but the vast majority of this conversation, they were on the same page, which is a really fascinating thing for me. Well, I think when it comes to Dax, he does this thing, and I think this is probably where he's run into trouble more than once, truthfully, where he kind of puts on the table where his politics lie and he does identify as sort of like a progressive person. But then he plays this role where he's like, I'm going to play devil's advocate. I'm going to deliberately rebut you to make this an interesting conversation. And occasionally it can make for an interesting conversation when the stakes are a bit lower. The stakes are much higher here because Jonathan Van Ness got very emotional after a bit. I can complete, like, completely agree with you. What was abundantly clear was that Dax was speaking quite bluntly and quite directly about an issue that's never had a real world impact on him personally. Yeah. And he wasn't very self-aware about the fact that he was using that bluntness with someone who has been impacted by a lot of this stuff. I mean, that was all revealed to Dax very quickly when Jonathan Van Ness actually burst into tears. And you could kind of see Dax figure out in his brain that actually his tone has been a little bit aggressive. And I actually think it's probably a conversation we don't have enough because I say this in my real world life of really arrogant white men who are just quote unquote playing devil's advocate and doing so in such an aggressive way and they don't identify with the politics they might be kind of raising up to ask questions but not realizing that even playing devil's advocate needs to be something that you do incredibly delicately depending Mm. on who you're speaking to. Mm. I will say I think people should definitely listen to this episode definitely listen to the conversation and make your own mind up. I would be so fascinated to hear what the listeners think. It just really reminded me of the conversations you see play out at Christmas dinner. Yeah. And I think the resolution at the end seemed to be quite a good one. And Dax really was very earnestly apologetic. And he does that as well, which is I find myself very conflicted about him. I mean, that's not the first time I've said that on this show. (laughs) I do find myself quite conflicted about him because I find that arrogance very frustrating and very damaging. But he is also one of the first people to say, 
oh, I think I fucked up here. Yeah, and they they really do then have a bit of a conversation about what is the way to talk about this stuff? How do we talk about these incredibly flammable societal issues without getting into the kind of heatedness that we just walked or stumbled into? And I find that to be a really interesting, compelling question to ask as well. What is the way to have these conversations and how can we all do it better? Our fourth story, Travis Kelsey's ex, Taylor Swift, and when we call someone a girl's girl. That is from USA Today. All right, so as promised last week, we thought we're seeing the term girl's girl pop up everywhere. Let's have a conversation about it because I think we've seen it pop up quite a few times. We have sort of spoken about the cultural rise of girliness. Again, in adverted commas, we've had strawberry makeup, blueberry milk, nails, all those other branding things. We also had the summer of Barbie, which was the summer of girls. We've seen waves of TikTok trends. We've had girl dinner, girl math, hot girl walks. And so I think after that, when Ethan Slater's ex-wife, Lily J, came out and said, Ariana Grande is not a girl's girl. Well, there's never been a worse time to not be a girl's girl, Hamish. Yeah. Then we also had Travis Kelsey's ex-girlfriend publicly accuse him of cheating on her last week with the explanation, I wouldn't be a girl's girl if I didn't advise Taylor to be smart. This week, I spiced it a profile with Variety where she remarked that some female musicians aren't the girls' girls that they pretend to be. That was me paraphrasing, but that was essentially what she said. Yeah, it feels very much like to be called a girls' girl in 2023 is like the ultimate compliment. Mm. And I think there is part of me that like adores this because we spend so much time talking about how unfortunately... And I do believe this to be true. Women are often the first to drag each other down. And I think men don't spend as much time trying to work out who is doing all these terrible things for the world. Women hold each other to this like completely unrealistic and very high standard. So to have a narrative that is, no, be a girl's girl, like just like have the gals back, Mm. like be that one is very nice. And I think it would be remiss of us to not acknowledge how big the cultural impact of Barbie is on this. I know it sounds like a very obvious point to make, but I think everything about womanhood and girlhood and feminism is in the mainstream cultural lexicon. And I think that has a huge impact on the conversations we're having now. Hundred percent. I think it's Barbie, and then I think it's also Taylor Swift throwing her weight behind Sophie Turner yeah. in the wake of the divorce. Like Taylor Swift is being photographed with the quote unquote girl squad again. Do we remember that girl squad back in 2015? Oh, we she do. Was, <laughs> everyone remembers this. She was really pushing the girls girl narrative back in 2015, but then actually started copying hate for it and really pulled back. But she's been seen out with high powered girlfriends. Every single night. And by seen with, I mean in gorgeous paparazzi photos with. Like we're talking about Barbie's Greta Gerwig, Gigi Hadid, Zoe Kravitz. She's been papped with Blake Lively plenty of times, Sophie Turner. This is something that she wants to put out there because Taylor Swift is not papped when she doesn't want to be papped. We barely saw Taylor Swift in pap photos for like four years. All of a sudden, She's back being papped and when she's being papped, it's with high-powered women with a girl's girl kind of shtick. Yeah, and it's interesting to me that we have so much more of an appetite for it now than we did then. Granted, I will say the strategy is a little different right now than it was Mm. back in the day. There was sort of like a cool girl exclusivity to the brand she had back in 2015. The squad, yeah. Now she has sort of this like cool girl, girl's girl welcoming I'll have your back too if you want (laughs) kind of brand, which I think is the difference. But I also think, yeah, the moment that we're in kind of lends itself to this working very, very well for her. The one fear I have with the rise of the term she's a girl's girl is I worry that we're going to start weaponizing it against each other Mm. and I worry we'll actually start using it to bring each other down. I don't want to be like totally neg about this, Mm. but it feels like a pattern you can see that could rear its head. Do you see what I mean? I do see what you mean. Could I posit the theory that maybe that could be a net benefit anyway to women? Like sometimes I think women need to be called out for not being girls' girls. And if we start saying to each other- But I think it could be overused and overblown Mm. and thrown around. Like when I spoke of that piece on gatekeeping Mm. recently and it's like suddenly if you're not sharing everything with the world, you're like- not a girl's girl. Mm, Do you know what I mean? I can see a world 
where this is not used productively. I still love it. Yeah, no. <laughs> what happened with pick me? Yeah. I think sometimes pick me can be overused to be kind of a weapon. Yes, exactly yeah. right. Yeah, fair. I guess pick me's a negative connotation though and girls girl is a positive yeah. connotation. Yeah. But if you're calling people not girls girls willy-nilly. Willy <laughs> nilly. Bring back willy nilly. Yeah, is that next? <laughs> the winter of willy nilly. <laughs> Our fifth story. The Beckhams finally break their silence on Rebecca Lou's after 20 years. Victoria tearfully reveals how David's affair with his personal assistant was the hardest time of her life. While he blames being lonely in Spain when his wife stayed in UK with their children, that is from the Daily Mail. That's the whole story right there, ladies and gentlemen. We don't need to speak about it. Now, look, a new four-part Netflix documentary series called Beckham is dropping on Netflix today. We record on Wednesday, so we think it might drop after work. You better tonight. believe we'll be watching it. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> now, it will touch upon the Rebecca Lou's affair scandal and it does get the couple's very candid thoughts on this for essentially the first time. They've not spoken much at all about the tough times in their marriage. As a quick refresher, Rebecca was the personal assistant to David when he transferred to Real Madrid. They began an affair. We actually detailed that in a three-part scandal series Three on the couple. So if you are interested in that, we did a lot of work. <laughs> Go listen to it. We're experts on this affair. The documentary, according to reports, sees these two get more candid about Rebecca Luz than we've ever seen them before. I mean... Victoria, we said this in the episodes that we did all those years ago, but she did release a book where she like vaguely touched upon a hard time in her marriage. But apart from that, we've never really seen much candor from these two about Rebecca Luz. She apparently describes this as the hardest time in her life and that she felt like the couple no longer had each other or had each other's backs. The quote reads like this, it was the hardest period for us because it felt like the world was against us. Here's the thing, we were against each other, if I'm being completely honest. You know, up until Madrid, sometimes it felt like us against everybody else, but we were together, we were connected, we had each other. But when we were in Spain, it didn't really feel like we had each other either. And that's sad. I can't even begin to tell you how hard it was and how it affected me. Yeah, David spoke on this. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how he got through it in all honesty. Victoria is everything to me. To see her hurt was incredibly difficult, but we're fighters and at that time we needed to fight for each other. We needed to fight for our family. I just have the biggest <laughs> grin on my face right now because these two are just amazing. Yeah. I have no idea how they're still together. I have no idea about anything, but I'm obsessed with them. <laughs> I have no idea about anything. Quote from yeah. <laughs> I am also obsessed with them, I think. I want to watch the documentary and uh, see how it comes I'm across. I'm going to say what? I'm obsessed with them and then have to come back and apologise. <laughs> just a little thing that annoyed me, and I haven't seen that quote from David in like real time. I hadn't, haven't heard his tone of voice and all that kind of stuff, seen his facial expressions. I do find it a slight bit annoying when a man publicly cheats on his wife and then says we needed to fight for our marriage like that just i needed to fight for my marriage i fucked there up might it have been annoys more me a stuff. little bit it is one quote that we don't even have the information <laughs> on you now nah, i love them <laughs> anyway now it's time for a brand new segment no no sound effect or anything i like that. am about to give you one i'm calling it slow news week it's been a slow news week. Don't worry, they'll go back to not recognising you soon enough. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> we finally snuck a scene from Daria, my yeah. favourite cartoon, mm -hmm. into the episode. So what is Slow News Week <laughs> and what is this new segment and is it going to work? Let's see. Well, we wanted to bring you the unpopular stories that would never normally get a run on the show. Ostensibly because it's a slow news week, except it's, it's actually actually hasn't really been because we've been here for 45 minutes. We didn't need the slow news week segment. But alas, the catch on this, right, is that Mish doesn't know the slow news week stories that I've chosen for her. So I'm going to quiz her on them to see how much she's across the slow news week. It's your job to be across all news weeks, fast and slow. So to clarify, they're the stories that wouldn't typically get a run on Shameless, but because the week has been a little lacklustre, hasn't given us quite enough sugar... We're lumping them all together I'm and calling it one thing. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> three for the price of one. That's what I should have called it. Oh, 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 
oh, no, so much better. I actually want the Daria sound effect. So I don't even know if the Daria sound effect works. <laughs> I don't think the Kent Brockman one has worked for about three years and we still use that. Okay, are you ready for your quiz? Three questions. Annabelle, you can be a helping hand if she needs. Yes. Oh, for a friend. Yes. All right, my first question. Okay. Ed Sheeran released a new album during this slow news week. Did what, he? What's it called? <laughs> okay, well, he See, always what does... what a slow story. He always does math symbols. We've had divide, multiply. We have. Um, subtract. Plus? Subtract. Have we had plus? I think do we square have. root. <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Oh, but then he had the sum of it all. So maybe we're not doing math symbols anymore, Annabelle. Ah. And maybe we're going to grammar. I'm going to go comma. No, it's called Autumn Variation. <laughs> you were never going to get that. Never. It's his seventh studio album. I want to know, how do you think it was received by the world? Not very Poorly. well. I haven't heard anything about it. Yes, well, The Guardian <laughs> re- released a review calling the album as flat and dull as a grey sky. I oh. also said he's proudly unimaginative, no. staunchly oh. unoriginal and intellectually bereft music. Oh, my God. Absolutely Molly. savage. Now, the thing about this album is he's not releasing any singles with it and he's not doing any music videos with it. So oh, it's kind of boring. Yeah, so that's probably why no one's heard of it. I have seen him pop up on TikTok with quite a few influencers, though, doing some marketing, but I don't think that's landing either. I will defend Ed Sheeran's right to be boring. I feel like he's given it us enough over the years. He's, he's allowed to so have much. a flop. I don't think he's ever flopped before. He's allowed a flop era. I actually get the sense this is more a passion project for him than a, an album that he wants to go yeah. mainstream. An unintellectual passion yeah. project. Yeah. <laughs> Staunchly unoriginal and intellectually bereft project. <laughs> All right, my second question. So you're none from one. Good to know. <laughs> I was about to say, okay, one point. Like, no. wait, I got like completely wrong. You didn't get anything right. <laughs> Joshua Jackson and Jodie Turner-Smith split this week. Everyone sent us this in DMs, yep. What are they both famous for? Fuck. Okay. Jodie Turner was a model. She's incredibly beautiful. I'm also going to add on to that television personality. I don't know. Actress if, and model. Uh, Television personality and model. Saying <laughs> words now. What is Joshua Jackson famous for? He was on TV and he was on something that I never watched you back in the day. Friend. Do you want to find a friend? Well, yeah. I'll give my answer and then you can come in and save me in case yep. I'm going to okay. risk being zero and two. I want to say 90210. Annabelle. Dawson's Creek. Dawson's Creek. Oh, that's not even close. I'll give you half a point. Okay, Jodie. Jodie Turner-Smith, British actress and model. She's stunning. She's been in Queen and Slim, Anne Boleyn, and very recently in the newest season of Sex Education. Oh, wait, I just watched that whole thing. Oh, my gosh, she is in the new season <laughs> yeah. of Sex Education. Well, there you go. There you go. Uh, why did they split? Do we know? Well, so these two have been together since 2018, and you're right, so many of our listeners sent us this story in our DMs, and I was surprised that so many people cared because I wasn't across this this much. They met at Usher's 40th birthday. They married in 2019. They had a daughter that same year. Now, the thing about these two, the reason I'm understanding that people love them so much is they have spoken a lot to the press about how much they love each other, right? This past May, he told Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen that he knew she was the one when she just walked into the room looking like that. She told Forbes in 2022 that she wanted to marry him because, and I quote, how loved and supported I felt by him. I have never been with anyone who I thought was wanting to lift me up the way that I felt he was lifting me up. This is one of my favourite things about him. Aww. The drama about this, though, oh. is in September 2022, so a whole year ago, yes. they sparked split rumours after they unfollowed each other on social media. <laughs> so they've been posting all these loved up posts. They unfollowed each other on social media. Rumours of their separation emerged because everyone's like, well, they simply must not be together. And so they responded by, I think, re-following each other and then him giving an interview to E! News. She is undeniably one of the most beautiful women on the planet and she always smashes it when she's on the red carpet. That is truly a wonder to behold. But I will tell you, there is nothing like waking up in the morning, opening my eyes and seeing her face. Is there anything he likes apart from the way she looks? He keeps just going on about how hot she is. But she's beautiful. Well, she is, but also she's he's giving these quotes just after they've unfolded. <laughs> also, I love the pettiness and I aspire to be this way. 
the pettiness of no matter how old you are or famous you are, that the way to communicate to the world that you've broken up is to unfollow on Instagram. I just, I'm I, obsessed with it. It's just mute them or block. Oh no, blocking them. Sorry. Blocking them, yeah. you unfollow each other. Yeah, just mute them. Nah, mute them. block and then give us something to talk about. Yeah, that's true. So uh, we don't know why these two have split. They've sort of still been papped together at New York Fashion Week, but she was the one to file, if that says anything. My third and final quiz question for you, you are 0.5 okay. out of two. Yeah, okay, it's not great, is it? I think you might get this one. Ooh, the Sphere debuted this week. Oh, what is The Sphere? The Sphere has been all over <laughs> my TikTok it. feed. This is a new concert venue, I believe, in Las Vegas. Correct. Where it is incredible. You're inside a literal orb and the ceiling of the orb. First of all, to fit everyone in, there have to be incredibly steep rafters. Because it's a sphere. Because it's, it's a, a sphere. Circle. So to maximise the number of people who can sit in the sphere, you're basically like on a crane. That's yeah, how okay. elevated you are in the air. Have you not seen this? Anna? No. This oh, is oh my to God. Me. No. I want to go to the sphere. No. So I don't. <laughs> I straw polled the office yesterday because I was like, who's heard of the sphere when you were at your hair appointment? And half had and half had not heard really? anything. So it's either you're on the sphere side of TikTok or you're not. I think it was a U2 concert that it happened was. there first and they can put like LED screens all over the ceiling and they change the graphic that up there and it looks like a spiritual experience. It's crazy. So as Mish says, it's a stadium that's set apart because of its interior and exterior LED light displays. It was opened by U2 over the weekend. It cost over US $4 billion to Oof, build. Really? So you go into this stadium and the whole thing's like an LED light, like wow. above you to the side, the whole thing. It would trip me out. I would not be able to do it. You two also played their seventh studio album, same amount of studio <laughs> albums as Ed Sheeran for anyone playing Long Time. Uh, 18,000 fans fit in the stadium. 18,000, is that it? Yeah. Oh. The thing about this stadium is because it's not just the interior lights that we were talking about, the exterior lights light up <laughs> and you can have ads on them. Yeah. Oh. So it can be used as like a billboard as well. Why do you seem so excited by Because I want to know how much do you think oh. it costs to advertise on the sphere for a day? This is not a question for your point system. Can I get a bonus point? Um, no. <laughs> because I'm going to end up playing um, this later and I don't want to be losing. I think $3 million. Oh, no. Nah. $450,000 for a day lighting oh. up the sphere. Dare I say I think it's worth it. <laughs> I was going to say, could we raise some money? <laughs> light up the Imagine sphere. if we lit up the sphere. <laughs> it would be so good. It is cheaper, $650,000 for the week. So you oh. a bargain bulk deal. Uh, so well done, Michelle. Are you sponsored by the sphere? <laughs> <laughs> bargain bulk deal. <laughs> anyway, 1.5 out of 3 for this slow news week. That's okay. That's pretty good. And I'm going to play the uh, sound effect to take us out. <laughs> it's been a slow news week. Don't worry, they'll go back to not recognising you soon enough. And that is all we've got for today's Do episode. We really We're topping and tailing. It's your segment, you make the rules. So we, I'm this segment, for the first time in our five and a half years, we played at the start and at the end. I think always worth trying, Nikki. <laughs> you tell us, did it work? Guys, that's all we've got for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. The best way to support us is to click follow on wherever you are listening to this episode, particularly Spotify and Apple. That's where it helps us out. In fact, go follow us on both. Yeah. If you don't listen on both. Do it all. Come to us. Follow us on Instagram at Shameless Podcast, TikTok at Shameless underscore podcast. Annabelle Lee, anything to add? No. 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 See you on Monday. <laughs> Bye. Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish Stylish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. 
there is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.